This is a Stand Up Labs production, powered by digital media. We have a really nice episode lined up for you this week. We're talking about Julian Assange, Etna's Obamacare withdrawal, a lot of hackers and hacking stuff. We're also getting into a bikini band update. We got white hats and EpiPens galore. You're not going to know what that means. If you stick around, you will. The Mandatory Samson Podcast, coming to you from Stand Up New York Labs in New York City. Joey's adjusting his headphone volume. It's throwing me off. You're loud, bro. You're loud, but you're bringing it. I'm bringing the heat. Welcome to the program, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Christopher Flannery. I'm joined, as always, by the aforementioned Joseph Noe. Hi, everybody. Uh, yes, you heard correctly. This is the Mandatory Samson Podcast, your favorite news and politics podcast, back again for the 94th time. We're ready to go today. What are we talking about, Joey? Are you interested to know what we're talking about? Yes, I am. We're talking about Julian Assange, Etna's Obamacare withdrawal, hackers and hacking, private prisons, a burkini ban update, and as per usual, a 2016 update. I also want to give a shout out to Chris on Snapchat, who sent me an article about the burkini ban, which, uh, you know, focused my attention on it. We're going to talk more about it this episode. Yes, we will. Um, I want to say this. We are not going to be doing an episode next week. No. Yeah, I'm going on vacation. Uh, it was planned well ahead of time. There's nothing I could do about it. I'm leaving on Thursday. I won't be able to record on Wednesday, so it is what it is. Well, I hope you enjoy it. Thank you. Uh, You're going to be Snapchatting every like five minutes? No, I probably won't be Snapchatting at all, but I'll be enjoying myself. Um, and then we'll be back the following week for MSP95. Ooh. That's it? That's yeah, all that's I got? It. All right. Uh, before we get into anything, we got an email from our dear friend, Danny, who we grew up with. Uh, Hi, Danny. Oh, he's one of our closest friends. Special shout out. Yeah, this is what Danny had to say. You ready to hear this? Mm-hmm. He goes, hello, mandatory Samson. Like Stain said, it's been a while. Oh, awkward start to the email, he says. <laughs> Sorry, I've been missing an action with comments of support lately, but I'm back on track. Really amazed to see where you guys are and wanted to congratulate you on the continued success. Here's just a couple of things I wanted to touch on. Well, first of all, thank you, Danny. And to the Samsonites, everybody that listens to the podcast. By the way, I'm such a douche. I've, I'm being rude. Joel, we got another uh, person in the room with us. Joel's learning the ropes around here. He's going to help out. Might be producing this program occasionally. So, oh, Joel... Nice. Happy to have you in the room. Appreciate it, buddy. Um, and I do want to say to the Samsonites, we are having continued growth with the podcast. That we're on track to have our biggest month yet. Nice. Which I really appreciate. I, I, I like you guys getting on board. Share it around. Let us know what you, how you feel. Go on iTunes. Leave a rating. Leave a comment. Let us know what's going on. But the show's growing, and we really appreciate that. And it's because of you guys tuning in every week and, um, you know, Letting people you, you you like letting people know that you like the show, so yeah. we really appreciate it. Thanks, dudes and dudettes. All right, we just lost. That's it. You just tanked the month. <laughs> uh, 
Danny says, number one, I liked the brief discussion on robotic Uber cars and support Chris's point of being in favor for, uh, of it for this one specific reason. Gas prices are cheaper now and will probably file, uh, follow a cycle of firm and soft pricing, but I think driving especially long distances can be very taxing on you physically and leaves you at risk for accidents, speeding or moving violations and frustration from sitting in traffic. These examples are deterrents for people to consider going to smaller towns, long distances away and supporting local economies. Say I hear uh, there's a great brunch spot in the middle of Pennsylvania. Nowadays, I probably wouldn't consider going there because it's far. There are plenty of brunch places in New York City or Chicago, where this is where Danny has lived, uh, that I could go without the risks I mentioned. But if I hear it's a fun spot, nice town setting with a great local business, maybe I would consider it more if I and friends did not actually have to do the driving and reduce some of those deterrents by having the car regulated by the computer. You could read, sleep, and then arrive efficiently in these local spots could help support local economies just a thought to so joey i know it could limit certain quote driving jobs but boost other small markets making it easier for people to access them i love that point he's absolutely right it would help improve smaller you know local economies mm-hmm. and things like that because right if it's an hour away hour and a half away so what you just get in the sweet ass self-driving car read a book smoke a joint talk to your friends give each other hand jobs whatever it is and Not you end up there, there at the brunch spot it's no worse for wear no so it's a good point, right? Great point. Say, thank you, Danny. Great point. I was wrong. Thank you, Danny. No, just, Great you point. Do, I was you wrong. Don't have to do, you should just say, fuck you to me. That's what you, that should have been it your response. It will come. Okay. Number two, have you guys considered doing an on-location podcast in D.C. or any area focused on the campaigns this year? I don't know, Chris. Have we? <laughs> uh, I mean, look, it's always a thought. Um but you know we'd have to get a guarantee that there's gonna be a lot of people there we'd and have to, like the scheduling yeah so yes it's definitely something that's like on my brain but maybe not this year but we're gonna we're gonna work on it we're gonna think about an option to do that he also says with the what this is how he wraps up with the 100th episode approaching what do you guys have planned i think there should be a celebration if so let me know would love to see if i could come in town to support you guys maybe even make t-shirts keep up the great work danny t-shirts yeah. would be awesome <laughs> would take a t-shirt yeah uh dan you're the best we love you we appreciate the support um i don't know we got to think about the 100th episode it's coming up according to his calculations it'd be october or something so oh, he did it already october. yeah he figured <laughs> out. So. thanks danny thank you danny we really appreciate the support and i uh i totally agree with you on the self-driving car thing i'm very excited about it and i think it would definitely enhance the economy in different uh areas as opposed to hurting it by by maybe costing some driver jobs you know mm-hmm. all right you ready to get into it joey yes i am first thing we got here Julian Assange, Ecuador will allow Swedish prosecutors to interview the WikiLeaks founder in its London embassy, where the 45-year-old has been locked away since 2012 uh, on potential rape allegations. He's never been charged with anything. He's never been really been questioned. But if they can get there, get some some answers from him, maybe the charges could potentially be dropped or whatever. You know, it's definitely time to have a closure to this story. It's been going on too long, and they need. Interview him, do what you got to do, and it's time to let him go. Well, here's the thing. I was reading a little bit about it. Well, this is the quote from the Ecuadorian foreign ministry. This is their statement. They go, in the coming weeks, a date will be established for the proceedings to be held at the embassy of Ecuador in the United Kingdom. I was reading a little bit more about Assange because, as you know, we talk about it a lot. I really like what the guy does. I support WikiLeaks, although I have some that I might 
I have to get into over the next couple of weeks that I'll bring up on the podcast. But anyway, broadly, I support WikiLeaks. I like the idea of having more information out there for, mm-hmm. especially in democracies, is the only way you can make an, uh, a good decision is to be, have an informed electorate. Um, I read more about the Assange case, like what he's actually being charged with or what he's being accused of. Because I guess maybe, you know, I've talked about him a lot, but maybe I've been a little flippant that it's just sort of nonsense. It's not nonsense. Okay, like something went on with him and two women, but you know, it, it seems like he slept with both of them and they got mad that that was the case, you know, mm. that he kind of slept around. Now, there's some allegations about him not wanting to use a condom or that he like forced the girl to have sex without the condom. I don't know. Okay, and so fine, it's probably valid that he gets questioned for it, but to extradite him to Sweden and then act like he's this rapist that's just running around i don't think that's the case but there is slightly more to it perhaps than i've said in the past but i don't want it to seem like i'm just like letting the guy off the hook but there's clearly more to the story here and i don't think he should be extradited and then sent to america like this guy shouldn't be in jail certainly not you know unless he really forcibly you know did something against these you know the will of these women but it does not seem that way based on an article that i read even from 2010 even before this all became politicized so I don't feel they've done a good enough job to investigate the situation to begin with. Well, he's not in Sweden. But what do you want them to do? You and I both know if they do send him to Sweden, it's game over. They're going to arrest him and send him to America. Well, 100%. That's what the whole point is. And again, should he really be in the Ecuadorian embassy? No, he got uh, asylum to Ecuador. And that's as far as he got. Well, yeah, he got to England. That's as far as he went. So he just got to the embassy. But anyway, that's the the thing on the Julian Assange front. We'll see if he actually does get questioned there. Because this has happened before where they've talked about questioning him at the embassy and things fall through and blah, yeah. blah, blah. So we'll see what happens. And look, I want to say, I want it to be clear. If Julian Assange is guilty of rape or, you know, assaulting these women, he should go to jail. And he has sure. to pay his dues. Absolutely. 100%. That doesn't mean that the stuff that he's doing outside of that um, gives is, some immunity. Right. Or that it's that I wish that it wouldn't happen because, of, you know what I mean? It's like continue to do that, but go to jail. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, we'll see what happens. But then, again, there's, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of gray area there. And we'll see. So hopefully we get some clarity with, uh, you know, if they show up in, in, in London and, and interview them there. This is another thing I wanted to get into, Joey, because I think it's going to be part of the conversation going forward. A lot of people on the right are against Obamacare. Mm-hmm. And this potentially is something they're going to point to is like, see, Obamacare is not working. But this is a big problem. This is a big problem, but there's extenuating circumstances here. We're going to get into it. So one of America's five biggest insurers, Aetna, announced on Monday that it will be pulling out of the vast majority of Obamacare state exchanges. The Aetna... CEO Mark Bertolini had this to say, as a strong supporter of public exchanges as a means to meet the needs of the uninsured, we regret having to make this decision. Bullshit. Well, why are you you yelling bullshit, Joey? What's the matter? Because they don't care about providing coverage. They care about the bottom line. And this is exactly what this is about. Okay. I like where you're going with that. Yes. So what changed? Here's the thing. Uh, in four months ago, Bertolini said, we had strong growth on the public exchanges and we raised guidance for the year. So I think uh, it was all in all a very solid quarter. What happened in four months? Well, the U.S. Justice Department nixed a merger between Aetna and Humana oh. on the basis that it would create a near monopoly, enabling the new company to raise prices with impunity. 
Uh, this happened alongside Cigna and Anthem, two more healthcare giants attempting to merge. The DOJ filed an antitrust suit there as well. I got some more quotes from Mark Bertolini. It's see, see because here's the thing: mm-hmm. like people on the right or Fox or whoever the fuck, it's going to be like Obama's crushing business, and that's why they have to leave and this and that. Well, actually, here's a quote from Mark Bertolini a month ago. Okay. If the DOJ sues to enjoin the transaction, we will immediately take action to reduce our 2017 exchange footprint. Instead of expanding to 20 states next year, we would reduce our presence to no more than 10 states. It is very likely that we would need to leave the public exchange business entirely and plan for additional business efficiencies should our deal ultimately be blocked. By contrast... If the deal proceeds without the diverted time, uh, without the diverted time and energy associated with litigation, we would explore how to devote a portion of the additional synergies to supporting even more public exchange coverage over the next few years. You know, I've used this example before, but I'm going to do it again. It's a fucking kid that took his football home with him. Yeah, you got twelve neighborhood kids there. They're yeah. ready to play a little two-hand touch, but Johnny or Mark. In this case, is upset he didn't get to the team he wanted to be on. And he's the one that has the football. And he's going. Everybody home. else is at the field, and this guy's like, No, you're not going to let me be on Jane's team. Fuck you. I'm, I'm taking out. the football. You guys can figure out what to do, but you can't use my ball. That's exactly right, Joey. He's basically putting a gun to the government's head and being like, Unless you let me create a super majority here. I'm going to pull out of your, your exchange. It doesn't matter that it's working. I don't care how many people are not going to get covered. Fuck you. We want to make more money. I want to team up with you, mana. And if we don't, we're gone. And, and in this case, this should be a situation where he tries to say, Hey, we have people here or something. So, so some form of humanity, but it's nope. You know what? We're not going to make the money. So we're out. Yeah. Well, this is the, this is what we're always talking about with these, these first of all, bigger picture it's people talk about the free market and we shouldn't have regulation on these corporations and whatever because let the free market decide and all this stuff it gives people more choice well no at first it might give them more choice but eventually you're gonna end up with two healthcare companies and one healthcare company right that's what they're always worried about with oh a government takeover the government's gonna be the only person uh that can provide healthcare well eventually if Aetna and Humana join and whatever the other one and uh Anthem get together then they then you only have two yeah. and then they're gonna merge at some point and it's just gonna be one and that's no, no competition that's, right that's no that's how it works right. so that's frustrating to begin with. Uh, and then on top of that, that's what we're always talking about with corporations as well. They are obligated to make more money year after year. They're, and this is why you should get these companies out of health insurance to begin with. It's something that everybody needs. Anytime you put so, uh, a profit on something that everybody needs, you're, you, some, something, somebody's going to get fucked in the office. Yes. And like you're saying, it's people that need health insurance are going to get fucked in this situation. When reality, if you live in America, in Chris Flannery's United States of America, mm-hmm. just everybody just gets health care. We're just going to pay for each other's health care. Socialized medicine. That's how we're going to do it. Because everybody's going to need it at a certain point. Yes. You're going to get sick. Nobody's not going to get sick. So the question becomes, what happens when the other you know, insurance companies follow suit 
and uh, no one's offering insurance anymore. Well, they think they're being cute by doing this, but yes. they're really fucking themselves because long term, the the model is towards Medicare for all. Everybody is going to get covered eventually. You saw it with Bernie. You saw the movement for that. Yes. People supported that idea. Hillary's paying lip service to it. It's going to happen eventually because it happens in the rest of the fucking world, mm-hmm. the civilized world or whatever, the industrial world. That's what's happening. So we're it's going to go there eventually. And if you're proving that you're more a cancer than a healthcare, uh, people are going to look to do a different, uh, do it a different way. So throwing a little tantrum like this is just making it clearer that this is what we need to do and what we need to move away from. Yes. Period. And it's just that's it. Uh, I watched Michael Moore's. This is just an aside. I watched <laughs> Michael Moore's documentary, Where to Invade Next. Excellent, excellent documentary. Loved certain parts of it. Frustrated at certain parts teared up at certain parts it's just a really 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 good documentary uh i would highly suggest that speaking about making profits sure did you hear about the about the epidemic with the EpiPens? no turns out that the uh pharmaceutical company mylan has been jacking up the price of the EpiPens 400 percent now how are they doing that they were able to purchase a company that makes EpiPens or something they're the only ones that had the patent and isn't that the fucking point? And that's the thing. If you get all these health insurance companies, if there's 30 of them, they can't do that. If there's two of them, they can because they can just work together and just barely outprice each other. But the yep. prices can go way up. That's prime example. Yeah. So they've raised the price to 400%. So what's the matter? So people can't get the fucking EpiPen. Yeah, can't afford it. And then the rates are more expensive for the insurance companies that pay for the medication. How I do not understand how there is any logical person in the United States that can look at this thing, this system and go, yeah, there should be a person between me. There should be a company that doesn't need to exist. The health insurance companies do not need to exist. Why are we accepting the fact that they are there? You can easily do away with them and people go, Oh, it's crazy. Heads How could will you do that? roll well, if you did that. Well, who, whose head? Yeah, and you know what? Heads might roll, but somebody will be able to stitch it back together because you'll be able to afford your insurance. Somebody will be paying for it. It's like they they are just in the middle. Why can't you go to your doctor? You're an American citizen, right? Mm -hmm. We could have a card that says you're an American citizen, like a fucking debit card. You go to the doctor, you get whatever you need done at the doctor, you fucking swipe the card, you walk out. And it gets put like added to whatever your tax taxes, your account, whatever it is, uh, that collectively everybody's going to pay. And the price for insurance is just what it costs to treat everyone in the United States. That's it. Because you get putting these fucking people in the middle. They're then in turn going to hospitals, jacking up the rates of whatever a procedure costs. Aspirin ends up costing. Th- why? Why are they there? They do not need to be there. And it's not crazy to say that. I, I've said that before, and people react like, that's insane. How can we get rid of the middleman? Well, they're the middleman. They don't need to be there. I would love to see if we could get together and see how much money that would end up saving and how much better everything would run well, without, that's, without them in the middle. That's the thing. It's like I think people act like all of a sudden um, you know, Nancy Pelosi is going to be your gynecologist. It's like that's not, that's not how it's going to work. Doctors will be doctors. They'll get paid a salary or whatever from the government uh, – or just based on the amount of patients they see, whatever. Um, and that's how it'll work. I, I don't know why that's so crazy. You don't need an insurer that's going to tell you you can't be insured for X, Y, and Z, which ends up being the case. You have to pay out of pocket on certain things. Why? Who's making these fucking rules? I need my tonsils out, and then I need the medication, the antibiotics for six weeks after, or whatever it is. That should just be covered. 
because you're going to need your tonsils out at some point or Joel's going to need his fucking hand cut off, whatever it is. Mm. It's just people are going to get sick and that's how it's going to be. That should just be covered. That should just be a right that takes place when you're an American citizen, period. Nicely said. Thanks. It's frustrating. I don't understand this whole thing. And this fucking Mark Bertolini, he admits it's working and then goes, well, yeah, but we're, but no, I, we're not, we're not making enough money. We need this merger. Why? Why do you need this merger? Because you fuck? he wants to get more money in his paycheck. But that's what it's about. And, and that's a scary thing to put in charge of people's health. Essentially, people that are not interested in health are not doctors are not. They know nothing about it. He just knows he needs to make more money. And that's what he's he knows how to play with numbers, Chris. And numbers say it all. Numbers don't lie. Is that maybe what you were trying to say? Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. You ready to get into this? Now, this is an interesting thing. This is about hackers and hacking. Mm-hmm. We talked about this. I forget. Do you correct? Try to remind me as we get into it. We just talked about something recently where isn't this going to create? Oh, it was about the FBI Apple situation. That's yes. what it was where they the FBI paid a third party company to figure out how they could get into the San Bernardino shooters phone. Right. Yes. That's what the situation was. And we said at the time, this is obviously going to create some kind of black market or whatever you want to call it. It's going to create incentive for hackers to know how to hack into this stuff yes. and then go to the government and go, hey, you know, that Look thing what you, you found. To do? Look what I can do. This week in posts posted on Twitter, Tumblr, Pastebin and GitHub, an online group called Shadow Brokers. Oh, that's awesome. Shadow Brokers Brokers. Claimed to have infiltrated an elite NSA-linked hacking unit known as Equation Group, stealing state cyber weapons, including files mentioned in the Snowden leaks, and attempting to auction them off to the highest bidder. They're asking for 1 million bitcoins or 580 million real dollars. Now, Shadow Brokers, by the way, now I have more information about this, but Shadow Brokers could be Russian. We're not sure who they are. Uh, tools known to be used by the NSA listed for sale by shadow brokers include ones uh, to penetrate routers and firewalls and all this stuff. Now, I, if I, well, depending on what they do with it, they need to be charged highly. Who? Who are you going to charge? The hackers. What? We have to catch the hackers. Why? Because isn't this a form <laughs> of terrorism? Uh, well, it could be. Well, here's the, let's let's get into it a little bit. So it's likely that the NSA wasn't itself hacked. Like they didn't mm-hmm. hack into the NSA, but they hacked an outside network that hosted NSA malware. Now, like you're saying, explain that to me slowly. So the NSA in-house has this equation group. Supposedly, we don't mm-hmm. know that the NSA that the equation group is actually NSA, but they've been linked for years and different things that the NSA has talked about and that we've revealed through Snowden leaks. We've seen stuff happen with Equation Group that seems like stuff that the NSA has talked about. So people are just assuming that Equation Group is NSA, but there's no way to know. Okay. But there's this elite group called the Equation Group. And they have their hacking tools, whatever whatever that's going to be, ways to get into different routers or firewalls or whatever, X key score, things like that that Snowden's talked about, where you can search massive databases for metadata and all this stuff. Okay. So they have- They got it. They have these tools, which are essentially- packages of code right that they can place into certain networks and and go through them they're not housing them at the nsa or if they are that's not where this came from where they where it came from is other networks around the world wherever it is that had these bits of code and this information on those networks that's what was compromised oh and they figured out that hey this is an outsized 
and outsource coding, where did it come from? Exactly. Hey, blah, this blah, seems blah. like NSA code. We want gotcha. that. Okay, so that's how they get into it. So it's not like the our government was actually hacked. It's not that the NSA was hacked. Somebody made a boo-boo. Well, somebody did very well. It's Shadow a, Brokers did a good job getting the shit that they wanted to get. Yep. But the fact that they left it there to be found. Well, is it left it there to be found or is it it was sold or this is where we need this to be or whatever? Mm. You know, I don't really know. We don't know yet. That's true. um, I got some quotes here from Edward Snowden. Why did they do it? No one knows. But I suspect this is more diplomacy than intelligence related to the escalation around the... Oh, I'm such a dum-dum. I, I couldn't find the quote. Okay, well, anyway, re- related to the... Ex- for whatever reason, I deleted what I was supposed to have there. Related to the escalation around the DNC leaks. So what he's okay. speculating is that... Um, like Russian, let me finish this quote. This leak, I'm really annoyed at myself that I deleted that part. That's frustrating. This leak is likely a warning that someone can prove U.S. responsibility for any attacks that originated from this malware server that could have significant foreign policy consequences, particularly if any of those operations targeted U.S. allies, which we fucking know (laughs) that we spy on our allies all the time. We've talked about it on the show. So what he's essentially saying is these, this group shadow brokers, goes gets these these hacking tools essentially and because we believe that they through the snowden leaks and all this stuff we believe that they're nsa these guys having it means that they can prove that the united states through nsa has been hacking whoever guilty by default i like it right um and essentially what snowden was saying is this look this leak looks like a like somebody sending a message that an escalation in the attribution game could get messy fast if we can, if these guys can prove that NSA did stuff, it's going to be a big deal because the NSA is claiming that Russian hackers hacked the DNC and all this stuff. So it's sort of a tit for tat game that we're seeing is, is basically what Snowden's saying. But I'm annoyed that I don't have the rest of that quote. I'm I'm really pissed at myself. Would you rather have it be Russian or non-Russian? Or you think it has? It's, it doesn't really matter. Uh, I don't know. I I really don't know how much it matters. Honestly, the the problem is NSA is doing a lot of this stuff with domestic spying, foreign spying. They're creating a lot of these tools. They're going out and doing things, cyber espionage. Our own government is doing forms of cyber terrorism, but because it's on our side, we're calling it it's like okay. cyber. You know what I mean? It's like a cyber cyber attack. defense. Yeah, exactly. Right. But essentially cybersecurity. Yes. And there is a, I can't think of the word. There's a democratizing effect. That's not really what I'm looking for, but if we can do it, if, per, if, if elements in our government can do it, there's elements everywhere that can do it. It's just a matter of finding people that have the ability to do these types of hacks, which I'm going to expand on in a second. Does it matter that it's Russia? I don't know because any actor against the United States that gets this information and puts it out there, it's still going to be damaging to the United States. Yeah, it is. So it doesn't really matter that it's Russia. It does matter that it's Russia to the extent that we believe that they've already attacked the DNC, that they've probably hacked into other parts of our government. So, again, you're seeing an escalation of this sort of cyber warfare, which realistically is where this is going to go in the future. What if people are able to hack into the machinery that controls the drones? You know what I mean? It's like now you're talking now. Now you're dealing on a much worse level. What about being able to hack into the nuclear arsenal? Or what about hacking into people's personal files? Well, that's already happening through yes. NSA, but that, but right, of course, but that's the game. That's the level we're now playing at. That has always been possible. But now after getting the, the tools that have been turned against us, um, and they, they have, they can sell them to the highest bidder or whatever. Yeah. Then we're in a real bad situation. Meanwhile, white hat 
hackers, I'm using in quotes, or bug bounty hunters are becoming more common, earning thousands of dollars hacking the Pentagon, Apple, Google, and Facebook. So companies like Google, Apple, uh, Facebook, they do like hackathons where they have these white hat hackers who are like supposedly good, you know, Mm -hmm. good witch hackers as opposed to the uh, wicked witch of the West type hackers. They get in there and they look for exploits in the code of these companies and they go, Oh, that was a good exploit. You found here's $3,000. Here's $30,000, whatever, depending on what it is. So we're, again, we're creating a culture where it doesn't matter necessarily whether you're working good or evil. You can get paid to be a hacker. Yes. <laughs> by big companies, by the government, by so you're entering a new phase of this whole thing where people are going to be able to make a shitload of money hacking into governments and different programs. Yes. So it's an interesting time we're living in, Joey. The question becomes what happens if one of these white hat hackers kind of gets, you know, a little money hungry and they don't get what they're asking for? 100%. One hundred percent, and that's what we talk about with corporations and whatever. Why is it different? If if somebody knows they can make thirty thousand dollars selling the the exploit to Al Qaeda, as opposed to making twenty thousand selling it to the Pentagon, they're at a certain point somebody's going to do that because greed's a real thing. That's just yes. human nature, and we see it all the time. We just choose to look at it. It's like, well, they're on our side, so it's okay. Yeah, but <laughs> depending what flag it's for, it's okay. One hundred percent. You're either you you could be a terrorist on one one hand and a fucking freedom fighter on the other. It's it's that is always the equation. Uh, all right. Any final thoughts on that, Joey? Uh, I just hope one of these hackers happens to look like An Angelina. Oh, damn it. I don't know what... Angelina Jolie. She was in the oh, hackers sure, movie. Sure. I was making a movie reference. What movie was that? Hackers. It's the name of the movie. Okay. Um. Let's do this. We got yes. a couple more things we're going to get into. We got the private prisons thing that I want to get into, the burkini mm-hmm. ban update, uh, and then of course our 2016 update. Before we get to any of that, let's do this. A great business needs a stunning website, and with Wix.com, you can do it all by yourself. Wix.com makes it easy to look amazing online, no matter what type of business you're in. Show off your images in a beautiful gallery, grow your contact list, and get all your social media in one place, just the way you want. Your customers are going to love it. So what are you waiting for? Show the world what you can do. Go to Wix.com and create your stunning website today. It's easy and free. All right. Very good. Let's get back into it, Joey. Private prisons. Mm -hmm. What do you know about private prisons? Not too much. But what I do have to say is I feel that a lot of people are chalking this up as a huge victory. Well, I don't think it's as big as it seems. All right. Well, here, let's get into it. According to a DOJ memo by U.S. Deputy Attorney General Sally Yates last Thursday, the federal government will phase out private prisons, simply letting the contracts expire. Sally Yates says they simply do not provide the same level of correctional services, programs, and resources. They do not save substantially on costs, and they do not maintain the same level of safety and security. Uh, DOJ's Bureau of Prisons spent $639 million in 2014 on private prisons run by CCA, which is the Corrections Corp of America, GEO Group Incorporated, and Management and Training Corp, which, by the way, does that sound like a place you want to send anyone to a, a place just called Management and Training Corp? No. That's horrifying. Listen to this. CCA, which is uh, Corrections Corp of America, which is kind of what you're alluding to. We're going to get into it in a minute. Their stock dropped 39.45% on the news. Oh, God. Uh, and listen to this one. 
A lawsuit against CCA claims the company made, quote, materially, materially false and misleading statements about safety and rehabilitative services. So they're being sued for saying they can do shit they can't do. Yeah. Okay. Meanwhile, I have another quote here. What is this about? Yeah, I might as well read this one. Russ Van F- Russ Van Vliet, which is a tough name to get through, who's a former co-director of University of Utah Criminal Justice Center, says there's a perception that the private sector is always going to do it more efficiently and less costly, but there really isn't much out there that says that's cor- that's correct, especially around these private prisons, which we can talk about the general mm-hmm. concept in a minute. Chad Campbell, who's an Arizona state representative, Talking about the stats that the these companies put out saying that they can do stuff cheaper, that they're able to to you know keep costs down. He says it's cherry picking. They leave the most expensive prisoners with taxpayers and take the easy prisoners. So if you're a, a problem prisoner, quote, and I'm one that's just gonna like do my time and not be an issue, the private prison's more likely to take me because I'm less work. They'll send you, Joey, back to the taxpayer funded prisons. Yes. Which Okay, the private prisons also are taxpayer funded, taxpayer funded, but you understand what I'm saying. Yes. Um, from what I actually understand is a huge part of the cherry picking process was how healthy the inmates actually were. Okay, elaborate. Meaning that uh, they purposely chose people that weren't out of shape or would need medical uh, attention. 100%, yeah. Also, no one, uh, they stayed away from anyone that had high or mental health issues of course which is a huge problem in the prison population look at rikers island i mean people khalif browder that we talked about on the show it's like he stayed in solitary confinement as a you know 18 year old or something for three years without being charged uh which that has an effect on you of course if you're not if you didn't go in damaged you're gonna come out damaged he ended up killing himself later i know we talked about this on the show but right but if you have some kind of you know mental issue and you're in that situation forget it you're screwed and and forget it if you know, you're in a private prison. They're they're not. They're only interested in filling the beds. They just yeah. need to get more people in there. It's sickening that we live in a country where it incentivizes people to be put in prison. And these are the these are the groups that are definitely against weed legalization, whatever. Because who are they, who are they going to put in jail? Meanwhile, so right. So like you're saying, this sounds better than it is. This is to that point. Yeah, it's good that the federal government is not going to be using private prisons. That's great. I don't think there should be any such thing as a private prison because like I'm saying, even in the healthcare situation, you're just incentivizing off of someone else's misfortunes. 100%. Meanwhile, CCA corrections, Corp of America was awarded $1 billion contract to build a detention center to house women and children seeking asylum in the United States. Now, Ooh, that's going to be a problem. At the same time that we're saying the federal government's not going to use private prisons, we're also saying, hey, this is you, a better idea. Yeah, you know all those uh, asylum seekers, all those refugees that people are talking so poorly about? We need a place to put them. Yeah, we need to build a. We're going to give this company that that has proven materially false and misleading leading statements, that they, they, they just do that. They put that out there. We're going to ignore that that's the case there and pretend that because it's not dealing with prisoners, it's dealing with refugees, they'll be able to do a better job. Uh, we're going to give them a billion dollars to build that facility. I'm sorry, but wouldn't there be like legal ramifications from that, from a private place holding someone against their well, will? Well, they're, they're, they're not f- because... <laughs> the refugees have no place to go. Well, here's, what, here's what's funny about it. You, okay. you hear a lot, the argument politically is like, 
how can we let these refugees in? What if they're terrorists? Whatever. There needs to be a vetting process. So that's there, the vetting process. There is a vetting process. It's called, uh, you know, it's years long. And you need a place to put these people when they're in this fucking extra legal limbo between wherever they came from and where they're trying to get, which is the United States. Why would we need to build a $1 billion detention facility if we're just letting them in? That's We're not. So you, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. look at the facts of what's happening. People that... Christy, Trump, all these people that were came out very hard. No, we can't let refugees in. They're terrorists. They're not. Nobody wants to be stuck in a fucking detention facility for three years. For years. Obviously, there's some kind of vetting process there. Otherwise, they would just be let into the country. On top of that, the U.S. Marshal Service, which now deals with illegal immigration offenses more than ever, has relied on a network of private prison contractors to expand its detention capacity. So, isn't it interesting that what comes first, chicken or the egg? There's more refugees and more uh, immigrants and more prisoners, so there's more uh, access to private prisons, or... Did the private prison industry go? We need to. We need to fill these. We need more people. Up. Yeah, maybe we need to find a straw man argument like refugees, like illegal immigrants. We need to create this pers- uh, narrative in the public consciousness that this is a problem. Because then we got cash rolling in, baby. Because we're just going to put all these Mexicans and Syrians in these detention facilities, and we can throw away the key. Isn't that interesting? And they can maximize profits by feeding them the cheapest shit possible. Oh, uh, please, do you, go, Google D- Illegal Immigrant Detention Center United States. And just look at, some, look at some of the pictures that come up. You're talking about people just in tiny rooms, yep. stacked on top of each other. They're not getting fed well. They're not getting treated well because that's the, the narrative. It's like, oh, these are animals that came over here. We, mm. we, we don't want them. They're they don't got stores. rights yet. They might be terrorists. No, they're, they're just in the middle. It's a really fucked up situation. Private prisons, I'm completely against that. Um... You know, and, and, and now we're in a situation where on one hand we're saying we're outlawing private prisons for federal use, but we're just creating more prisons and more prison systems just with immigrants and, and refugees. Yeah, all we're doing is just swiping it out for another type of person and uh, we're going to let them continue making a profit. Absolutely. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter who's in the prison. As long as the prison is full to capacity, they're, ma- they're making their money. And they're just getting a billion dollar contract to do this. Oh. They're getting paid no matter what the results are. Yes. So, okay. That's what I have to say about private prison. Any final thoughts on that, Joey? That's that's one nice contract they got themselves. Yeah, but this is what always happens. And I don't know why we keep pretending. Like, I don't know how on one hand you can go, yeah, they, they mater- just false about the rehabilitative process and all this stuff. They couldn't deliver on it here. But over there, they'll be able to do it. Why? Well, what's changing from one to the other? They're still building a house where you lock people inside of it for some kind of offense. Well, why, why do you think that that's going to be different? Because it's, it's just literally not criminals. It's refugees or, you know, illegal immigrants. Well, here's my question. If I had a bunch of human beings that were being held in a, um, building or whatever you want to call it, wouldn't you want to have a facility, an e- facility? Wouldn't you want them to have access to education or things that will help them assimilate into the culture that they're trying to get into instead of i feel just being hoarded into a spot and fed for god knows how long yeah well sure that i mean that look that's a totally different argument and i you know well it's kind of goes hand in hand with the prison we 
rehabilitation as well. Like you have an opportunity to go above and beyond yeah. and provide a service or make a real difference. Right, for people who were likely left behind to begin with, which is why they got in there. Yes. Um, yeah, absolutely. You're absolutely right, Joe. I mean, I, what I was going to say was, I understand the argument of people going like, okay, so not only now are they people that snuck into the country, these illegal immigrants, now we got to feed them and teach. Maybe no, but maybe yes. Maybe we should because they obviously, if they've if they've made it here, and they're not somebody that we could prove has committed a crime or is going to be a problem. Yeah, they're going to be here. Then we're not yes. likely going to just send them back. We can't send all these people back to Mexico. So yeah, they're, they're going to become Americans in my mind at a certain point, or they're going to be part of our society anyway. So right, why don't we invest in them now, as opposed to waiting until it becomes a problem? Or yeah, just building these billion dollar facilities where we're going to throw people away. Uh, I agree with you. And this was a big part of the Michael Moore documentary in, uh, where was it? Norway, I guess Norway, but we've talked about this with Anders yeah. Breivik, the, the guy that was like the, the mass shooter, the like white supremacist guy. They interview the father of a kid that got killed by Anders Breivik. Okay. Mm-hmm. And they go, you know, do you, don't you, don't you want retribution? Michael Moore's asking him, don't you want retribution? He's like, no, it's not going to He's like, I hate the guy. He's like, he's a piece of shit. He's like, but Right, it doesn't bring my son back, and I'm not going to stoop to that level. I think we need more democracy, more rehabilitation, more of the stuff that this guy is against, because that's the only way to fight against it. Doing what he does and acting like he does makes puts me on his level, and I'm not on his level. I'm better than him. He's a piece of shit. And then you see the system where their recidivism rate is like 20%. Ours is 80%. But you know what they do to the prisoners? They feed them. They trust them. They don't lock them away. They give them keys to their own jails. It's a fucking foreign concept here in America. And it's, it doesn't even make sense when you watch it, but somehow it makes sense because it works better. Yeah. 20% versus 80%. Those are just pure numbers. Watch the documentary. It's very interesting to watch, but it's like you're saying, we're punishing people and thinking that, that res- the response to that is going to be, thanks for punishing me. I really needed that. That's not what it's going to be. Treating people the way that human beings should be treated, no matter what they did, rehabilitation and getting them back into society should ultimately be the goal. Yes. Although, and again, maybe that's a little conflicting because I've said you murder life, you rape somebody life. Okay. But you could still do something to try to get that person to be productive within a certain system away from society. Yes. It's a whole thing. You should definitely watch where to invade next. Uh, you know, it's an excellent documentary and it gets at the heart of a lot of this stuff where around the world, they're just doing things scientifically doing what works as opposed to doing what feels good. And that's definitely a problem in this country. Well, also, I, I feel another problem that we have in this country is we like to see results. Like, in this case, you can give a company a billion dollars. You can see them build a huge facility. Yeah, or, or like what happened in Iraq, where we give them a trillion dollars and like nothing, nothing gets, gets done. But yeah, good. And then you can't say the same thing about educating a population and such because it's hard to see the developments from that. Yes. Yes. So if there was a way that we could prove, hey, this is what we did with the money. Look at what these kids that we taught are doing today, doing now because we gave them a chance. We gave them that education. Right. I feel that would be a huge momentum building to help facilitate more social programs what 100 percent? you're absolutely right it's an instant gratification culture where and it's like again this is i'm talking about the documentary a lot but i really liked what i saw in it we teach to the test 
We mm-hmm. have, you know, you're instead of actually giving kids an education and ha- teaching them how to critically think or just giving them things to think about we go no if you have to do good on this test because we can measure this test and then based on those measurements we get more money for the school or whatever it is that's exactly what you're talking about you can't necessarily measure how important an art class is for a kid at the time you just can't okay but 10 years down the road you maybe it did help or the investment over time it pays off over time, but you can't get that year to year and justify the budget and this and that. You're absolutely right, Joey. I, I that's a brilliant point, and it's correct, plain and simple. You you have to just take a leap of faith and go look. If we invest in these kids across these you know, prisoners or whatever, if you invest across these certain uh, subjects and these guidelines, we know that over time, over twenty years, thirty years, it's going to pay dividends. But we we're not going to be able to prove that right now. We just can't. It's the same idea with research, with science research. Mm-hmm. A lot of Republicans will take, and I always point at a lot of Republicans, but again, these these are people like, I'm not demonizing them, but this is stuff that they are against factually. I'm just saying it is what it is. They'll look at some scientific studies and go, oh, we're studying the mating habits of jellyfish. What the fuck is that going <laughs> to produce? And then they they cut science funding for that. Yeah. But if you listen to the scientists, they go, yeah, that particular research might not lead to specifically what like we might not have the goal that we're saying is in mind by studying this particular thing might not happen but because we're studying that we might realize oh we could probably apply this to this this and this and then do more that's the thing you have to allow for a certain level of waste for a certain level of dead ends or whatever because in that you end up going the you find the right path by not knowing where the path is to begin with and that's a thing with conservatism with whatever where they cut arts education music education yeah not joey's not going to become a saxophonist it doesn't necessarily matter but being able to give you that type of outlet creates the ability then to to think about things in different ways and learn and whatever and and it presents other opportunities you can't always say if we do this it equals this yes there's that's not the case sometimes creativity science whatever it's all about just exploring something with no particular goal in mind and then you never know where it might lead you might end up finding out something amazing that you wouldn't have done otherwise if you had to specifically say this is what we're doing and if we don't do that it's a failure it's a crazy way to look at it and it's it's a a teaching to the test mentality that i don't think we need in this country and we focus too much on that isn't the way in the rest of the world no it's not fantastic talk Thank you. I, I like that conversation. We're going to go into the Burkini ban update because I like that conversation we had last week. I thought that was good. Uh, I heard from Evan. Actually, he said that it was actually a pretty nice conversation. He didn't think that we took a particular side, but we we're just trying to have the conversation, which is what we're always trying to do on the show. To that point, Burkini ban update. On Tuesday, I'll say this before we get into it. Mm-hmm. So the conversation we had about the Burkini last week. Yes. Is it was an abstract one. Does the state, should the state theoretically have the ability to tell people, no, you can't do this, even if it conflicts with religion, because they're trying to set up a, a, a culture that val- has X, Y, and Z values. Mm-hmm. Does that trump the idea of individual, fr- individ- individual freedom, be it religious or whatever? You just want to wear it. You're oppressing yourself, but so what? That's your choice. You're the individual. So that's yes. sort of the state versus the individual is kind of the conversation we had. Now, this puts it into 
practical enforcement. And I think it's, it ends the conversation pretty quickly. Now, again, this was sent to us by Chris on Snapchat. Thank you, Chris. We appreciate it. On Tuesday, baton and pepper spray equipped French police showed up on a con beach and threatened a 34-year-old mother of two. Oh, really? Forcing her to remove the garb and oh. apparently giving her a citation. The woman, her no last name given, but her name was Siam. Uh, she's third generation French. So it's not like, okay, she's French. Yeah, she's French. She just happens to be Muslim, but she's French. She's been there for you know 30 years. Her family's been there. Yes. Uh, and I have a quote in the email from her. She says, I was sitting on a beach with my family. I was wearing a classic headscarf. I had no intention of swimming. Immaterial, but she's just saying I was just there. You know, she's wearing this outfit. Also, a Corsican village became the third place to ban burkinis from its beaches on Monday. So while we had the the conversation in the abstract, I don't want to see French police showing up on beaches and making Muslim women or anybody take off stuff they're wearing. That seems weird. Threatening yeah, with pepper spray. What, what is this? A, a routine traffic stop in Louisiana? What is this? America? We're just going to pull people over and pepper spray them. We can't do that. Well, apparently the French politicians decided that this government was, you know, well, right. But the, I understand the. We talked about it. Yeah. We understand the rationale, why they did it. We, we hear what they're saying, but the problem is enforcing it. So now you got a situation where French police are going to show up on beaches and force women to undress what they wanted to wear to the beach that day. It's like yes. that's that becomes the problem. And that's where it stops being an abstract conversation about secular morals and religion and this stuff and that. I don't want to see that happen to people. Right, plain and simple. You know what I mean? It's like I don't like that. I wouldn't put up with that here. Yeah, but it's the law now. Right. Well, that be, that becomes the problem. So again, as much of the abstract as we're going to talk about it, no, then they're wrong for banning the burkini because I because practically then they have to come in and give people tickets and take their clothes off them in front of their kids and pepper spray them and all the shit. It's mm-hmm. like, no, you can't do that. That's not right. So please say it. What? That I was right. You were right. Yep. When when were you? What are you? What, that I, that this was a mistake and they should have just left it alone. In practical application, I think you're right, and I'm agreeing with you there. Like okay. you 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 can't do this you can't have a situation where where men french men are showing up and making a, a woman take off her clothes you just can't do it it's a bad situation you're going down a bad road what if it's an eight-year-old girl wearing it mm-hmm. you, you're gonna make her strip on the beach it's the law i, I would <laughs> i would hope not well right but that's okay so that's the situation yes. that they've created there again I, I, we could say it all the time I'm for secular morality. I don't think we need to be this like whole religion. I, I I think religion is again a problem more than it is a solution. A lot of the time, unless it's a personal faith and blah blah blah. But this is where the rubber meets the road. You know what I mean? And when you see it actually happen, you go, "Wow, that's pretty fucked up." That you sort of have these secular police coming over and forcing a woman to take off the 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 With burka, paper you know? spray in hand, right? With uh, threatening uh, threatening her in front of a family. So let me tell you this, Joe, before we get into the uh, 2016 update, because this is really interesting. It's a little bit longer. I got to read some stuff here. But Aheda Zanetti is the woman that created the burkini. Mm-hmm. All right. So I read an article about her this week in her own words. She wrote it. And I want to read some of her quotes here. There's a couple of things that come up in it that, again, makes me want to go back on it and go, well, see, but this is what I'm saying. This is a kind of a weird religious ideology. All right, let's just read what she says, and we'll go okay. through it, and then we'll get to the 2016 update. Aheda Zanetti. 
When I invented the burkini in early 2004, it was to give women freedom not to take it away. My niece wanted to play netball. I don't know what netball is, but it's probably fun. But it was a bit of a struggle to get her in the team. She was wearing a hijab, which again is the classic headscarf. Yeah, I, I caught shit in the, the, the comments a little bit for calling it a headscarf. It is a headscarf. I know you would. Okay. Uh, she was wearing a hijab. My sister had to fight for her daughter to play, had to debate the issue and ask, why is this girl prevented from playing netball because of her modesty? Now, here's the thing. I take umbrage with that. Is it really her modesty that she's wearing the thing for? No, it's because she grew up in a Muslim household. And, if and that's probably part of the making rules. her do it. Right. Okay. It's not actually her modesty. If she grew up in Boston, Irish Catholic, she wouldn't be wearing a hijab, would she? No. But she still could be modest. It's just a di- Okay, so it's like a di- it's a different argument. Well, are you going to pick an age with that or no? Doesn't matter. Okay. When she was finally allowed to play, we all went to watch her to support her. And what she was wearing was totally inappropriate for a sports uniform. A skivvy, tracksuit pants, and her hijab, totally unsuitable for any type of sport. She looked like a tomato. She was so red and hot. So I went home and went looking for something that might be better for her to wear, sportswear for Muslim girls, and I couldn't find anything. I knew there was nothing in Australia. This this woman's from Australia. Uh, It got me thinking because when I was a girl, I missed out on sport. We didn't participate in anything because we chose to be modest. See, it's frustrating. She's entitled to her own thing, but I'm just saying... Is it because you chose to be modest or you chose not to get reprimanded by your religion? Is it really modesty that kept you from playing volleyball? No, you could have worn a a fucking long sleeve t-shirt. You had to wear this thing, not because you were choosing to be modest, but because it's the tenet of the religion. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. But whatever. All right. She goes, we missed out because we chose to be modest. But for my niece, I wanted to find something that would adapt to the Australian lifestyle and Western clothing, but but at the same time, fulfill the needs of a Muslim girl. Okay. Now, it's a long article. I skipped ahead to certain things. When I named it the Burkini, I didn't really think it was a burqa for the beach. Burqa was just a word for me. I'd been brought up in Australia all my life, and I designed this swimsuit, and I had to call it something quickly. It was the combination of two cultures. We're Australian, but we're also Muslim by choice. The burqa doesn't symbolize anything here, and it's not mentioned in the Quran, or, uh, and our religion does not ask us to cover our faces. It's the wearer's choice to do so. Burqa is nowhere in my Islamic text. So why are you wearing it? I had to look the word up, and it was described as a kind of coat and coverall. And at that, at the other end, you had the bikini. Bur- uh, bikini. So I combined the two. All right. Now, this is also a weird thing, then, because it's not really like isn't that strange? It's not in the Quran. It's mm-hmm. not in, in that society at all. Nobody's telling them to do it. So why are you choosing to do it? Is it is it really because you're not mo- because she's going back and forth on a couple of things? Does it meet the needs of a Muslim girl, but also Muslim girls don't have to do it? So why does it meet their needs? Like it's strange to me, you know. So again, it's the whole religious thing, and I'm not. A, we got to talk about it because it's it's odd. All right, so this is how we're gonna do it. She has certain values, right, which she upholds based on what on her beliefs, right, as an individual. <laughs> Uh, well, see, but that's where, that's always where it goes awry. It's not really her beliefs. It is her beliefs as an individual, but would she have come to these beliefs without being around that particular religion? Correct. However, she's of age to choose to follow it or not. 100%. All right. Okay. This negativity that is happening now and what is happening in France makes me so sad. I hope it's not because of racism. I think that they have misunderstood a garment that is so positive It symbolizes leisure and happiness and fun and fitness and health. And now they are demanding women get off the beach and back into their kitchens. No, that's not what they're demanding. And I completely, I understand where she's coming from saying that this is a leisure fun outfit because it enables 
a Muslim girl to go out there and play netball, go in the ocean while still making a swimsuit. Right. But it's certainly outside of the context of Islam. It is a restrictive garment. It's not as fun as a beach, uh, a bikini. It's not as freeing as wearing a bathing suit, right? Okay. Unless you personally feel terrible exposing your body, then fine, I understand that. But or you're a surfer, or you have a very, wetsuit, whatever, or you have yeah. very fair skin, or maybe you have skin cancer. There's several instances where this is a positive garment. Uh, totally, but I'm saying, but you understand the duality of what I'm talking about. Yes, because there are things that are way less restrictive. Mm-hmm. They're called bathing suits and bikinis. You can wear those. Yes, you're choosing to wear those. That's fine. And in the However, context of the religion, it is more and her beliefs of not showing as much skin. Okay, there you go. This has given women freedom and they want to take freedom. But meanwhile, they're not asking women to go back into the kitchens. That's not true. This has given women freedom and they want to take that freedom away. So who is better? The Taliban or French politicians? They are as bad as each other. Really? Is that really true? In this context? Yeah. No, no, it's not. No, it's not. It's just not. I get her point. Let me finish. Okay. I get her point that on one side, the French side, the French secular side, they're viewing this as we're freeing you of this thing. Mm -hmm. On the other side, they're seeing it as like an authoritarian government saying you must take your garment off. You know what I mean? But let's be honest, the Taliban worse than the French government. Yes. We're we're not, I refuse to accept that equivalence. It's just not the same thing in the sense that both are telling them what to do. Fine. I accept that. But the Taliban doesn't let little girls learn how to read. It doesn't do, you know what I mean? It's like, let's be, let's be fucking clear here that the French government is different than the Taliban. That's not, that's a nonsense sentence. However, I feel that you're automatically equating religious beliefs to the, the Taliban. We're talking about... The Taliban's a government based on a religious belief. Yes, but in this case, she has nothing to do with the Taliban. She invoked the Taliban. She said, who is better, the Taliban or French politicians? They are as bad as each other. She invoked it, you're right. Period. She says they're as bad... No, they're not. No, they're not. They're not. I'd much rather suffer under the French government's regime than the fucking Taliban. Like, come on, lady. That's silly. They're going to let you go to the beach in your burkini? The Taliban is? No. Okay. I, uh, let's see. I don't think that any man should worry about how women are dressing. No one is forcing us. It's a woman's choice. And this is, this is where her point where you can't argue with her. She goes, we see what you see is our choice. Do I call myself a feminist? Yes, maybe. I, I like to stand behind my man, but I am the engine and I choose to be. I want him to take all the credit, but I am the quiet achiever. <sighs> see, it's frustrating. You can't argue with her. You go, fine. If you want to do that, Fine, that's your choice. Yes. But you you can't take it out of the context of if you weren't in this particular religion, you wouldn't want that probably. Why would you want to be the quiet achiever and let the guy take all the credit? Why would you want that? There's a there's a fu- and that's that's the fucking frustrating thing I about don't religion. Think you it's can putting, win on that argument either. I'm not going to win this argument. Of course not, but I'm just saying the religion is what's putting that in her head. Unless I I have to feel that way. I just have to. How would she have come to that choice without, you can't know it because you can't separate her from birth from that religion, but like you see other religions and women don't act like that. You see other contexts where women don't act like that. If she arrives at that on her own, fine. The quiet achiever, let the man take all the credit. I don't know why you'd want to, but if it's your choice, you're right. We should just let you do it. 
it's a weird yeah, 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 dude yeah. the whole thing's a weird situation that's why we talk about it she finishes with this i remember when i first tested the burkini first i tested it in my bathtub i had to make sure it worked then i had to test it by diving in so i went to the local pool to test the headband uh to test that the headband would stay put so i went to roseland's pool and i remember that everyone was staring at me what was i wearing i went right to the end of the pool and got on the diving board and dived in the headband stayed in place and i thought beauty perfect it was my first time It was my first time swimming in public and it was absolutely beautiful. I remember the feeling so clearly. I felt freedom. I felt empowerment. I felt like I owned the pool. I walked to the end of that pool with my shoulders back. Diving into water is one of the best feelings in the world. And you know what? I wear a bikini under my burkini. I've got the best of both worlds. To me, I get her point. Also, keep in mind too, not so much. She's also gotta do it in a way that she can sell this this is a product too well that's what i'm saying so it is empowering from that perspective where this is a woman who has created a business on her own mm-hmm. she's designed something invented something that no doubt is going to help a n- countless numbers of muslim women who have to wear the burqa or choose to wear it and this will help them go enjoy themselves at the beach and all that stuff i have to go that's tortured logic though that you're wearing you're wearing the bikini under the burkini then just say fuck the burkini and wear the bikini. You know what I mean? It's like I, but again, it's your right. It's if it is your choice and you want to put this type of restriction on yourself, then fine. But I do understand from the French perspective or the secular perspective that like it is a pre- what you're doing to yourself is oppressive, but it's your choice to do that. I don't know. It's a, again, complicated issue. You're not going to get to the fucking, there is no right answer necessarily. No. Hopefully just over time, people go, yeah, a lot of these rules are arbitrary and we probably don't need to 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 be modest or whatever. If you want to be, fine, but I, I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, we just talk you end up talking in circles with it. But I, that's the woman that invented the burkini. And uh there you go. We'll keep our eye on this thing. But I in summation, I don't like that the French police are gonna show up on beaches and make people take their clothes off. It's weird. I feel that the, this is gonna continue to happen and it's gonna hit a point where they decide that it's it's not enforceable and they just overlook it maybe or they're going to stick to it too long and you're going to you're going to create a real rift in society as though there wasn't already one there in french society you're going to create a big much bigger problem over this thing attempting to do sort of a good thing like in theory but again in practice a problem yes all right 2016 update um i don't have too much here i got the poll numbers like i normally do um and we'll just close out the show with this Polls only, Joey. Just uh-huh. the polls run through 538.com. Hillary Clinton has an 83.3% chance of becoming the president of the United States, while Donald Trump is at about 16.5%, 16.6%. Polls plus, this factors in economic data, historical data, blah, uh-huh. blah, blah. Hillary Clinton has a 74.7% chance of becoming president. Trump, 253 The now cast, if the election was held, Today, Hillary Clinton is at an 84.4% chance while Trump is at 15.6. Okay, two things. Yeah. First thing, Trump has said something that can win him the election. If he sticks to it, he can win the election. You're so annoying, Joe. He can't, but good. What he said was, you're living in poverty. Your mm-hmm. school's garbage. Oh, I retweeted it. Hold on. Yeah, good. I have it because it's it's insane. What do you have to lose? It's insane. But who did he say that to? Doesn't matter. 
it no, can win. No, it does matter. That's the that's the problem. It okay. does matter who I said it to. Hold okay. on. I'm going to my Twitter account. Go to the Twitter. Man at Mansamp on Twitter. Uh, Donald Trump said so many in the African American community are doing so badly. Poverty and crime way up. Employment and jobs way down. I will fix it. Promise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I'm sure you're gonna get yeah. The African-American community is going to get Tom Segura, who's a comic, retweeted and he goes, man, you African-Americans have to be stoked about this. <laughs> it's so funny. It's like, right. Yeah. Yes. The African-Americans are going to vote for Trump all of a sudden because he's uh, uh, just saying that there's an issue, but not addressing it in any real way. Okay. But he can win on that. If no, he, he can get a surrogate, I'm win. telling you, no. if he could get a surrogate to spread that message, he will win. Yeah, okay. What, why? Well, you, you, do you think that no politician in history has said, hey, I see that your life is tough. I'll help but I believe him. He's honest. Why? He's Why do you believe man. that? Stop it. Can you stop? <laughs> okay. I'll Can you stop, stop with the, 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 this crazy devil's advocate shit? This is not the one to play devil's advocate on. It's silly. According to recent polls, Joey, and this yes. is what we've been talking about, Democrats are on track to retake the Senate. They have a 78% chance of controlling 50 or more seats. If Hillary Clinton and Tim Kaine win, the VP breaks ties in the Senate. So the Democrats would obviously be in control there. Hmm. Uh, this is interesting numbers. It's what we've talked about. If this continues, um, the Republicans are going to, they're going to lose control of the Senate, which is a real nightmare scenario for them. Uh, filibuster proof majority. That's the number. We're really looking oh. 60 members is a filibuster proof majority until you get to 60. You really don't have too much in the Senate. It helps, but it's not, it's not as good as having 60 because then people can't vote against you. You yeah. will win every argument, assuming everybody on your team votes with you which isn't has not been the case and wasn't the case when obama had a quote filibuster proof majority it wasn't the case uh because there were certain blue dog democrats that were going to vote against it anyway you know so it's a lot of problems you need to get to probably 61 really uh for a majority to to get everything you want passed but the big point here is the Republicans are fucking themselves by letting Trump be the guy that's running for them. Yes. They're going to lose Congress and you don't want to do that when you're worried about Hillary being in charge and Bernie Sanders being in charge and all this stuff. God, keep up with the nonsense. Keep thinking that, that Trump telling African-Americans things are bad. I'll fix it. Yeah. You're going you're to be able to do that. How are you going to do that? I want to know what the plans for the future is going to be, especially if Texas- same as always the Republican plan for the future is wouldn't it be great if we could go back that's their plan. That's what they always talk about. Wouldn't it be great? Yeah, but they're gonna be in sh- like they're gonna be up the shitter if they lose. That's Texas. not the phrase, but I get it. Well, they're not gonna lose Texas now, but it's coming. Ten years, they're gonna lose it. Yeah, absolutely. So, th- so they lose it in one election, one election time. Well, just one at one point, you're gonna get uh, to the presidential election. It's gonna be oh fuck, Mexicans outnumber Repu- You know, people like Mexicans and people that lean Democrat outnumber people that vote Republican in Texas again. It's going to be a problem. We're going to lose. That's going to be over. Every time. Yeah. Every single election, they're going to lose. And that's the thing. Keep, go ahead. Keep alienating Mexican people. Keep alienating the, uh, or making immigration reform a wedge issue. Okay. Okay. But they're way more likely to vote Democrat. So you can keep doing that, but eventually these people are going to become citizens. It's going to happen. We're going to fix the, the immigration problem. They're going to become American citizens and they're going to vote Democrat. So you're screwing yourselves and you're running on a guy running a guy who ran on, I'm going to build a fucking wall. So great. And so big. No one can get over. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. That's a smart idea. And Mexico is going to pay for it. It, Well, yeah, that's not going to happen. Okay. Meanwhile, Paul Manafort has officially resigned the post of Trump campaign chairman. We talked about it last week. Mm -hmm. He was, um, 
you know, they brought in these other people, Bannon, right? I can't think of his name. And whatever, the other one, the pollster, they they upgraded their status in the campaign. Manafort, they're like, we're just adding to the winners, frankly. Uh, okay, well, one of your winners just flew the coop, so uh, Manafort's out. Finally, Joey, this one's fascinating to me. Not fascinating. I mean, it fits in the narrative that we've talked about quite a bit on the show. Federal campaign disclosure released over the weekend shows some interesting Trump campaign numbers. $1.8 million of Trump mm-hmm. campaign money has been spent to, on two vendors over this quarter, Califlame and Ace Specialties. Who owns them? Well, no, they're their own companies. Ah. T-shirts, mugs, stickers, and the hats, the Make America Great Again hats. Mm-hmm. They spent $1.8 million on that stuff out of the campaign. $921,000 have been spent on staff and consultants. So they're spending roughly double on hats as they are on consultants and people that could win you an election. Mm -hmm. One, there is one Ohio staffer. What? They have literally have one Ohio field staffer. His name is Andrew Cofield. Just one guy. One. One. Good luck. He's got hats though. Is this guy really, do people really think this guy should be running for president? Is he really even running for president at this point? He's spending double on hats. Listen, I figured it out. He's not running for president. His brand is running for president. Well, his well, what's what is really campaigning is his brand. Yes. I, I get what you're saying. Right. Because the Trump brand, the political brand, blah, blah, blah. He'll just be on TV. You know, that's all he's doing. Mm-hmm. And he's selling the fucking hats and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, he's got one Ohio field guy. 9% or $7.7 million of campaign spending has gone to Trump's own businesses. How much? Seven point seven million, or nine percent of everything he spent, <laughs> nice. has gone back to himself. <laughs> Ads. This is we're going to close with this. Ad money. Hillary's outspending him or outrunning him seventeen to one, sixty-eight million to four million. Wow. He's not going to win. He's not going to be president. It's just not going to happen. We can pretend. We can pretend that it's some somehow close. It's over. It just doesn't happen this way. The candidate that spends more money wins ninety-seven percent of the time. Not to mention the fact that one of the two people running literally cannot do the job of president. So I think it's probably over. We can pretend it's not. The debates, bro. Debates. <laughs> You're a fucking diehard. It drives me crazy <laughs> with that shit. It's like you can say that. What is that fucking guy going to say in the debate that a majority of Americans that vote are going to go, God damn it. Yeah, he nailed it. What, what hasn't he said yet? That, that he's, what's, the, what's the missing phrase that's going to make Trump the, pre- the president? incompetent sick woman yeah that's a good idea to attack to attack her as a woman yep yep it's over joey face facts we will see yeah we're gonna see i'm telling you right now it's over but okay that's it that's all i got you got anything else i did want to bring up something but i don't know if we should talk about it well what is it the whole Leslie Jones incident? Yeah, we can bring it up. That's okay. What do you want to say about it? I think it's horrible. That's unbelievable. Well, that explain to the people are, what's going on. Uh, somebody out in Twitter land or, you know, internet universe has decided to post uh, nude pictures, her passport, and other valuable information over the internet. Yeah, her website was hacked, right? Yeah, They changed it. Um, yeah, Leslie Jones on snl she's been in train wreck she was in the ghostbusters movie um yeah people hacked into her private account released apparently very sexually explicit 
images of her, um, got on her website, like you said, her passport, different information. And I don't, other than she's black and famous, there's seemingly no reason why to do this. Like you're just racist pieces of shit and you're trying to hurt somebody for being successful on her own terms, on her own terms. Yeah, no, it's a disguise. It's a despicable situation. Anybody that like cheers, the people that did this are animals. Like you, you people are fucking delusional and you're crazy. If you think that this is a good thing, why? Because she's a, it is because she's a black woman that has been successful. That's why they're choosing to go after her. It's really, yeah, it's a shame. And doesn't that send a chilling message to young black girls or whatever that are trying to be comics or trying to be actors or trying to do anything in the public sphere that if you do actually get to achieve those things, you're going to have people coming after you just because. Yeah, it's likely that people are going to come after you and try to stop you from doing that because they're fucking crazy. It's a, it's a weird, it's a very weird thing. And I feel bad for, for her. It's terrible. It's terrible. Like, because that's just an everyday person well she's not an everyday person no, but, but she's still. a person right yeah but it's a human being a fellow human being. human being it's not okay to do it to anybody it really isn't and it's sad that that it's happening to her specifically because she's a black woman that is out there you know doing well yeah not cool no not at all we'll see what happens there i mean somebody's gonna get fucking prosecuted but um you know the damage is done it's like this woman's career like she's got to think twice i got to imagine about everything she does now like is it worth the backlash that i'm gonna get for being in a movie think about that like think about how proud she was getting into the ghostbusters movie whatever you think about it i didn't i didn't see it you know it is what it is think about how proud she was that day when she was like hey the movie's out like i'm in a fucking movie how cool is this? And then she caught all this shit on Twitter and she had to like get rid of her account and all this stuff. And this shit continues to happen. It's like, man, what kind of fucking weird world do we live in where people really just hate, like hate her for being what? For being black, for being a woman, for being a combination, both of those things, for being successful. Who knows? It's just like, it, it is. It's a fucked, it's a fucked up thing. Crazy trolls. That's what it is. Well, no, let's not even call them trolls. There's a difference between trolling and being like an animal that is trying to just intimidate. Basically, you're intimidating somebody into not living their life the way they want to live it. That's what you're doing. You're, you're trying to hurt her in the worst way possible so as to keep her from achieving more in her life. Meanwhile, what are you doing in your life, you sad little fuck? Right? Yeah. All right. Thanks for bringing that up, Joe. No, I don't care. It's fine. Uh, we should talk about it. It's something that's happening. Well, the only thing I'm afraid of is that scumbag coming after us. Or don't me put that particular. juju out there. They're not coming after me. <laughs> uh, no, but, but you know, it's like, but that's the thing. It's like, we cannot live in a, in a, a fearful way. And that's really how it has to go across the board. This poor person shouldn't have to go across, you know, and it's a look, it's not like Leslie Jones is some saint, right? I mean, I'm sure she's done things in her life that she regrets or whatever. She's not a perfect person. Nobody is, but Jesus, what is she doing? That's so terrible that she needs to be attacked this way. It's like, it's really a a vulgar thing. Yes. Uh, all right. iTunes. I'm I'm doing two things today. iTunes go on iTunes rate, review subscribe to the podcast you can find me on all social media platforms at mansamp joey is at joey from jersey jersey spelled the z he's on everything too you can find him there uh we love you guys listen i apologize no episode next week msp 95 will be coming in two weeks uh enjoy labor day is that what's coming up yes 
Enjoy your Labor Day, whatever you guys are up to. And uh, we'll talk to you in two weeks. We'll miss you. Think of us fondly. Goodbye. This has been a Stand Up Labs production powered by digital media. Subscribe to new and archive episodes wherever you listen to podcasts and find all of our shows at StandUpLabs.nyc. Stand clear of the closing doors, please. No, we out.